Welcome to Short Course, episode 29, for August 17th, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. So this past weekend I shot the SFE Devil Dog USPSA match at Freedom Gun Club as the second in a row of two matches, and it didn't really go, it didn't, well, there were, it was very uneven. It was much more, it was much more like I'm used to shooting than last week, which I talked about last week on the podcast. And I thought I would go into that and, and talk through the the match and some of the things that I saw in my performance and, and some of the things that I learned coming out of it. Before I dive in, I do want to say, if you want to see the stages, see the video from all these stages, I have video up on my YouTube channel of all seven stages, including the classifier, first person and third person. So you can see the targets, you can see what I'm shooting, and then you can see me running the stage. The link to that is in the show notes, or you can go to barryshooting.com slash video, and that'll redirect you to my YouTube channel where you can watch that video, subscribe, do whatever you want. So to set the scene for this match for people who haven't shot it or seen my videos, this is a match where the stages are genuinely state or nationals level quality almost every month. They are built ahead of time. They usually built over the course of the week leading up to the match. They're thoroughly debugged. They always have multiple challenging shots and multiple challenging trade-offs. And the the match in general is just hard. It's it is a very high shot difficulty. In general, you won't be shooting more than, say, six shots from any given position. It's a lot of scattered positions, so you'll usually not be reloading between every position, which this match tends to bring out that bad habit in me. And the yeah, the the stages are are tough. Not that hit factor is everything, but just to put a ballpark on it. So there were six stages, seventh stage was a classifier, but of the six non-classifier stages, at this match, only two of them in production had the stage winner shoot a hit factor above five. So four, four of the six stages had a winning hit factor below five, which is not, I mean, you know, just as a ballpark that gives you an idea. What was also cool, unrelated to the, the difficulty of the match, is my wife actually came out and shot this match, which she's, we've been shooting together for years. We actually met shooting and she decided to come and shoot one of my stock twos because they're nice guns and she wanted to try it. And so I put the lock grips on them. I have a set of the, the lock G10 grips, which are a great texture. They're just, they're too darn thin for me. Uh, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I I actually still, I've tried almost all the grips that Tenfolio makes or anybody makes for Tenfolios. And I've come back to the stock wood grips on the Tanfo because they're just, they're thick enough. You can get a good enough grip. And the wood texture, as long as you've got pro grip on your hands and your hands are pretty dry, the wood actually gives pretty good grip. Certainly, in my opinion, better than most of the checkered metal grips. The Hinnings, the Hinnings checkering is pretty good. To me, the, the Hinnings are just too thin as well. And the Grafels are both too thin and the checkering is not nearly aggressive enough for me. So I like the lock grips a lot, but I just, I couldn't, 
I, I when I tried to run them myself, I just ended up wrapping my hand too far around the grip, and and my trigger pull was all messed up, and and it just it they, they didn't work for me. But they're they're the perfect size for my wife, so she likes them a lot, and I I, I kind of envy her. I, I wish I could use them, but so she came out, and that was that was an interesting experience in that it put me back in the the sort of shoes of a beginner and thinking about running a gun, running the double action. And she actually made a really good point, which is the double action, if you come out of the holster with a bad grip, you know, with a striker-fired gun, you might get one or two shots off. You might shoot the first target before you really realize, okay, this is not going to work. I have to readjust before I shoot the rest of this stage. If you get a, a really wonky grip with a double action gun straight out of the holster, you may not be able to to pull that that double action trigger. Now, I I have by double action standards, heavy-ish doubles. I think both my guns are somewhere in the eight to nine pound range. So they're not crazy heavy, but you will definitely notice if your fundamentals are off. And I know before I started shooting a double action gun, I thought of that as a downside. It was, oh, you got to learn to pull the trigger two different ways. And really it's, it's not actually that way. It's more, you, you have to learn to pull the double. And once you learn the double, the rest of it, is pretty easy. Pulling a three pound short crisp single action isn't hard, but when, especially in dry fire, where every time you move or do a reload, you have to work that double again. When you have to do that, it makes sure that after you, after every draw, after every movement, after every reload, your grip is solid or you're going to feel it because the double, if your grip is out of alignment, pulling that double is either going to be hard or you'll just not even be able to get a a good purchase on the trigger to, to pull it all the way through. And so it actually ends up being a bit of a kind of go-no-go check on is your grip acceptable. And even there'll be times where I'll come out of the holster and it'll be during a stage and I'll feel the first target doesn't go particularly well. It's good enough if the target's close enough to get through that target and move on. But I'll be conscious of the fact that I need to regrip and correct that, that bad grip if it's wrong out of the holster because you feel it in pulling the double more so than actually on the gun. So that was interesting having having some fresh eyes and a new perspective on, on shooting what is actually a gun that I've got a lot of rounds through and giving a a bit of a different perspective. So my actual performance was not, not really what I was hoping for. And I think there, there were a couple of things that played into that. The first stage I came out and I was just, I was just slow. I was just aiming way too much. I, the, the best way I can phrase it is I was very conscious of pulling the trigger instead of just shooting. I wasn't looking at the target and letting the gun go off. I was, it felt very mechanical. Every little muscle that I was moving to, to aim the gun and then very consciously pulling the trigger. And I was generally accurate, but it was very slow. I wasn't pulling the trigger and letting the gun return, I felt like I was having to muscle the gun after every shot. And I think that was just a little bit too much conscious awareness of, of the, of the shooting and not just setting up the process and letting it work. Not just trusting that, that if I grip the gun the right way and pull the trigger and just shoot, the sights will return and the hits will be there. And this first stage in particular was pretty bad for that. I, it was, 16 shots, eight steel, eight paper. And of the paper hits, I had four Charlies and the whole, the whole hit factor 
for the whole stage was 3.3. That was I won the stage with a 3.3 hit factor, which at that hit factor, a Charlie is worth about half a second, something like that. And so the fact that I was racking up that many Charlies just it, it I mean mathematically it doesn't make any sense if you if you're actually shooting reasonably fast. So that was a, a bit of a gut check. And the other thing that really surprised me is on this stage, the eight steel poppers were hidden behind white, mostly white, 55-gallon drums. And that that had a very interesting effect in that I found myself shooting all those poppers target focus. I know you guys are getting sick of hearing about this, but shooting the poppers target focus despite the fact that some of them were actually partials. And so you didn't have a, a full view of the entire steel target because the, the barrel was blocking it. And yet I, I was just going target focus. And I, I remember realizing that when I actually saw the splash, I would actually see the paint come off where my bullet was hitting on the popper. And I thought to myself, man, this is not what you should be doing. But in retrospect, the fact that they were, the fact that they were white poppers obscured by white barrels, it gave me a new appreciation of the fact that what is blocking the target might also draw your eye. And it can be harder to aim at a partial if the thing that's obstructing it is is the same color, which you don't run into a lot in this sport. So that was a pretty unique situation, but that's definitely something I'm going to file away in the back of my brain. The stage after that was the classifier. It was 1306, too close for comfort, which is, I think, a pretty good classifier. I shot what I thought was a strong but not amazing run, and it would have been 100% under the old hit factors and it's a 92% under the new hit factors, which I have to say feels about right. I, I feel like I could get 8% better at that classifier. I wouldn't have to hero or zero it. I think 100% at a reasonable match pace is completely doable. So I, I know spot checking a lot of the new hit factors, they look pretty high, and, and I'm actually genuinely worried that it's going to push people more in the direction of feeling like they have to throw hero or zero runs to move up in classification because the higher classifiers seem that much further out of range. But this one, this one, I will say, I think is, is pretty dialed in. I think it's a, a pretty fair hit factor and not that hard of a classifier to set up. So it's a, I think, I think it's a, a good one to run if you're looking for one for your club, I guess. So I was, the next stage was stage one and I was first on that stage. What's interesting is I actually did very well on stage one from a shooting perspective because I knew that I was going to be first and I didn't have a lot of time to plan. And so I was focusing in broad strokes on just getting the general shooting right and then focusing on, in contrast to that first stage, like I was talking about, focusing on just shooting the gun, not consciously gripping it and moving it around, but just trusting the process, establishing the grip and letting letting the gun this is a sort of Brian Enocism, but you know, letting the gun fire when it was on the target, not consciously driving it around. And that stuff all worked. But my reloads, because I didn't take the time to plan out this stage, this so to give you an idea, on this stage, you had to turn and move and hit two poppers from the first position run across the bay laterally to the second position, shoot one target, move to the next position and shoot two paper targets. My plan went reload now. So eight rounds in, do a reload, shoot 
basically hit a spot where you can see five paper targets from, shoot those five, reload to the end where you can see three paper targets. So especially at the beginning, it was three three positions before you reloaded for the first time. And I reloaded between the second and third. I started to reload between the second and third position. You can actually on the video, you can see I grabbed the magazine. I have it in my hand and I realized, nope, not yet. I don't even want to finish this reload because it'll throw the whole rest of the stage off. And so I actually ended up sticking it back in my mag pouch, which I, one of the things that I like about the double alpha racers is that they're pretty easy to get magazines into the shape of them makes it easy that the sort of low cut front and high back makes it easy to sort of funnel the mags in. Usually I think of that in the context of a mags on barrel type start where I need to stow my first mag or two, but it helped out in this situation. Not that I ever want to do that in a match ever again. So I'm realizing actually I got it a little bit backwards. The, the, the plan was first position, two steel, second position, one paper, third position, three paper, move forward, fourth position, five paper, move forward, fifth position, three paper. And in the third position, for some silly reason, I reloaded after only eight shots instead of 10, and then reloaded, shot 10, and then I had to reload and shoot another 10. And when you watch the video, you don't necessarily see that it's not like the plan that I ended up stumbling into wasn't a bad plan, but it was not at all what I was planning. It was not what my plan was. I had figured out where I wanted to reload, but I was so conscious of trying to get all the other parts of the stage plan right that I just, I didn't visualize that part in and and it burned me. And that's something, like I've said, that this match, because it tends to be a the type of stage where you will shoot two or three positions without reloading that tends to draw that flaw in my stage planning out, especially when it's the middle of the match or towards the end of the match, that sort of thing. So what was crazy is that was still of all the, so I, I won five of the seven stages and of all the stage wins, that was the one where I actually had the, the greatest lead and it was 26 shots, 24 on paper and I shot one Charlie. I was so the the shooting part of it went well, and it was the the mistakes in the planning I recovered from and was able to work around. But it was just interesting that I felt like that one went the worst. It felt like it went pretty poorly, but the the result was actually not as bad as I as it could have been because I kept moving and I was just trusting the shooting and, and letting it work. The So I was first on that stage, which means I was last on stage two after that. And that's really where the wheels fell off for me. I think looking back on it, one of the things that, that got me was just the fact that I'm used to, I'm not, well, I'm not used to 12-man squads. So one of the things also about this match that they are sticklers for is they will only do six squads of 12 because they want the match to to run quickly and be over and not take all day. It shouldn't be a full work day on the range. The The match director is all walking around. His goal is to have from first shot to everybody done in four and a half hours. And usually he gets there. Most of the squads certainly are, are done in that time. The downside of that is you really, you don't have a lot of downtime between stages. And so with complex stages and not a lot of downtime, it, it caught me. 
I mean, there's, there's really no other way to put it. I, I got complacent. I thought, oh, I'm at the end of the order. I got time. I can, I can load my mags and, and walk the stage some more. And I just, I didn't, I didn't do enough. And so when it came time to shoot, I just, I, it was, it was the most complex stage we'd shot yet. And I was shooting pretty good. I thought I made sure to program my reloads in after the last stage, maybe over indexed on that. But the, the rest of it, it was just, I, I got complacent and that it ended up, it wasn't a, a terrible stage in any one particular way. It was just everything. It was generally slow. I had, I tagged a mic no shoot just by an inch, but that's all it takes. And had a miss on a long distance popper that I was trying to thread the needle through, which that's something else that, that I am starting to see a pattern of at this match is I tend to want to take these, these narrow shots where I'm, I am confident in an objective sense that, oh, it's a 20 yard popper. I can hit 20 yard poppers. But when you're trying to thread the needle through two PVC walls or something like that, not not like it's a gap where they're right next to each other, but it's one's 10 feet down range and one's right in front of you and, and the popper is visible through a, a little sliver between them. And the reason it's tempting to do that is it saves you going to that position. But it just, I there's something about having the walls on either side and really being very conscious not to clip them. It's I'm not going to lie. It's probably, I, I have shot PVC walls before and it's not fun. You kind of see the PVC fly and it very much takes you out of your, out of your stage plan. And so I just, I, this is not the first time I've come up with a plan like that. And they just, they just rarely work. It just never seems worth it. You end up having to plant so hard and aim so hard to thread the needle through, through the little gap between the walls that it just, I, I don't think it actually saves that much time versus moving aggressively to just go to the extra spots set up as hard as you need, but then just shoot and leave. So that was, that was another thing. Like I said, it it wasn't any one thing on this one stage. It's just everything kind of piled together. And so after that, it it was, that was kind of my wake up call. The next two stages went fine. I recovered well, took them on their own. I didn't spiral downward certainly, but then on the last stage of the day, similar deal where I, got a reload at the wrong spot it was so let's see this position this stage was first position you shoot four paper move to the second position shoot three paper third position was two paper and then at the end you had two steel activators and two swingers so four positions total but you could skip a reload between the second and third positions if you took those two together that would put you at 10 and you come into the last position with the steel and the swingers with a full magazine. And that was, that was a plan that I thought about. The other plan that I'd considered was coming out of the third position. You could see one of the activator steals. They were full size poppers. You could see it through the port. And so I thought, okay, let me tag that popper, then do the reload as I move up to the port and set up, tag the other popper. By that time, the first swinger will be swinging. And then I can get the second swinger swinging because these were full size poppers that activated swingers. And so between the time your bullet actually hits that popper and when the swinger is actually available is easily a second, if not a second and a half, just because big poppers take a while to fall. So I was thinking if I could tag that early and eventually I I thought, no, that's silly. Just run to the position, shoot what you can from there. But once I made that decision, I never went back through my stage plan 
and revised the reload plan. And so when I didn't have a specific plan for when to reload, I went to that second position, shot three, feet were moving, reload. And that threw me off. I was like, why am I reloading? Took the first shot in the second position. It went over the top of a partial and I didn't call it because I was still thinking about the reload. And so it's the, the whole thing just cascaded from there. And so really the lesson here is, is these multiple small positions where you're, you're not reloading every time your feet are moving. And I got to learn that I'm not good at that right now. That is a weakness. And it burned me on two of these stages. And so that's definitely something I'm taking away from this match to work on. One thing I want to mention here at the bottom of the show is I did finally get around to writing up the recipe for beef jerky that I talked about on episode 16 about hot summer matches. This is the extra salty jerky. Buy some steak at the grocery store, cut it up, put your own salt on it, dehydrate it yourself. It's cheaper, better quality, less sugar, all that. Finally wrote up the recipe. It is on the blog at berryshooting.com slash jerky or just search berry shooting and jerky and I'm sure it'll come up very straightforward but it's just got the amounts and and a couple of pictures to give you an idea of how big to cut the pieces and, and that sort of thing so give it a look and hopefully it's helpful well that wraps up this episode of short course I want to do another Q&A episode soon so send your questions to podcast at berryshooting.com you can follow me on Facebook at Ben Berry Shooting and Instagram at BS Barry. talk to you next time <laughs>